the book of Joshua, and we don't have the center screen. Can y'all see that? The TV? Does that work? Okay. You can move up here close. It's much warmer up here. Um, we were in chapter 14, and we ended with chapter 14 with Caleb, which Joshua and Caleb were spot where two the two spies that came back with the report that was what uh, that was the truth that yes there were giants in the land but we be well able is what uh, one of the things that Joshua and Caleb said Caleb's the other guy Joshua that's been leading all the battles and everything and took over after Moses is that same Joshua. They were in their, They were forty years old when they were sent in to be the spies. This is forty-five years later, and so in uh, chapter fourteen is his Caleb's uh, speech about I was forty when I went into the land, and and Moses said I could have that mountain that I cl- and I claimed it then. Uh, so can you have it? Can I have it now? Because I'm. It's 45 years later, so I'm 85 years old now. But he says, I still be well able. I can fight those giants that are in land because the sons of Anak, the Anakim, or Anakim, they were uh, they still live there. And he said, but I can take care of those guys. And I just said, how cool is it that all these years later, and at 85 years old, he's still ready to whoop up on the giants. So... Um, in chapter 15, there's a repetition of that. Um, and one of, and part of it there in chapter eight or verse eight, it says, and the border went up and the border went up the valley of Hinnom. And the, all of this is talking about the borders. And so it goes from town to town, to town, to town, to town, to show where the borders are to of the land of Judah. And it says, and the border went up the valley of the son of Hinnom to the southern slope of the Jebusite city, which is Jerusalem. That's important because it's the same Jerusalem we're talking about nowadays. But it wasn't Jerusalem then, but it's important because we'll, and we'll talk about that in a minute, why Jerusalem is important and what happens there. Then and as Caleb goes and he, and he occupies Hebron, Hebron and Debir. And when they got to Debir, Caleb says in verse 16, and I'm sorry, I don't have it on there, but he, he said, I'll give you, whoever attacks Curious Saphir, uh, I'll give him my daughter, Aksa, as wife. And so that happened, and that's how we got the other town. <clears throat> Hebron and Debir, up in the mountains of Judah. Then we skip over to verse 10 of chapter 16. Very end of that chapter and I've skipped a bunch of stuff because it just all it's dividing up the land. So the uh, um, Ephraim, the half tribe of Manasseh, uh, all of those. Uh, and it says in verse ten, he says, "And they did not drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites to this day and have become forced laborers." Um. So, but that's a problem, is that they didn't get rid of that, that negative influence. Okay, and then I skipped all of chapter 17 because it's the other tribe 
half-tribe of Manasseh that's on the west and where their land went and some more land for Ephraim. But um, Ephraim and Manasseh were the sons of Joseph, who was in who was the Pharaoh's second man in Egypt. Um, Got to keep everything and remind who the players are that some of the players here are the same ones from before. But those two, the, it's the... It's the families of Ephraim and Manasseh, which were his Egyptian sons. Um, but they were carrying on the inheritance of Joseph, Israelites. Okay, verse, and then chapter 18. Starting with, uh, and we're going to do the whole chapter 18. So the, so the remainder of the land is going to get divided. It says, now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh. So the, the, the first camp that they had was um, on the other side of, uh, of Jericho as it fell. And they set up a camp there and they set up the tabernacle and everything. But now they've moved, now they've moved further away uh, and it's about... Um, it's about 25 miles to the northwest of Jericho. And that's where they set up their kind of, uh, they're like Washington, D.C., was at Shiloh. And it stays there all the way into David's day. Um, Shiloh is the place where uh, the, the um, Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of the... Uh, of the priest, what? Eli. Yeah, the sons of Eli, the priest, who take Samuel in, um, they're the ones that lost the, the Ark of the Covenant. They took it into battle and the Philistines got it. All that happened at Shiloh. So this is some place that we're gonna hear of a lot in the future. But see, this is the beginning of them establishing it kind of as their center of operations. Uh, they all assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there, which is the tabernacle. And the land was subdued before them, but there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. Um, so those seven tribes, they've split, they've, they've uh, set out the land by lot. Now, I, I pointed out on the map last week how Right on the center to the west of the Jordan River, which flows from the Sea of Galilee up top all the way down to the Dead Sea, that they the Bible calls it the Salt Sea at this time. But all to the west of that is this fertile land. Well, there's there's a there's mountains there, but the, just to the west of the Jordan, there's this valley, and it's all fertile land, and the the best of that was given to the sons of uh, the sons of Joseph, Ephraim, Manasseh, and of the Benjamin, the youngest son. But all of all of the favored sons of Abraham, those those uh, descendants, were getting that prime land. But it was given by lot. They they like drew it out of a drew numbers out of a hat or whatever, and and set it out to them. So there's seven of them left that haven't received their inheritance. Um, so it's not that they chose to not receive it. They ju it just hadn't gotten that far yet. 
So Joshua said to the children of Israel, uh, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? Pick out from among you three men for each tribe. So apparent, I mean, he's holding them responsible for it. So apparently some of these guys stepped up and said, well, I'd like to have this land here or whatever. Uh, but so he, he, he has a plan. He said, uh, pick out from among you three men for each tribe. So how many of there are going to be all total? 21. 21. There's going to be 21 guys. Um, pick out from each tribe and I'll send them and they'll rise and go through the land, survey it according to their inheritance and come back to me and they shall divide it into seven parts. So what they did was they said, okay, th this chunk of land here, it's, um, it, it's mountains, but so we're going to give you extra land because some of it's mountains and you can't plant there and it's hard to raise cattle and things like that. But here, this land, it's going to be smaller, but it's got a lot more, it's got a lot more fertile land and things like that. Uh, so they, they set it, they package it in a way that any of them would be willing to have it. So, so that the surveyors went out there and, and, and figured out what, how to package it. Uh, and they, and they divide it in, uh, and then they divide it into seven parts. Judah shall remain in their territory on the south and the house of Joseph shall remain in their territory in the north. You shall therefore survey the land in seven parts and bring the survey here to me that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord our God. But the Levites have no part among you for the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. We talked about that a little last week. And Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh received their inheritance on the other side of the Jordan, east of the Jordan, which is what the country of Jordan is now. Um, that and uh, on the east, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them before they did all the five years of fighting that they were involved in. Then the men arose and uh, to go away, and Joshua charged those who who went to survey the land saying, go walk through the land, survey it and come back to me that I may cast lots uh, for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. So they went away, passed through the land, wrote the survey down in a book, seven parts by cities. And they came to Joshua at the camp in Shiloh. And some of the cities, you know, they've got vineyards, they've got stuff that's been planted there because they, they killed all the people out. Uh, and he cast lots for them and they divided up. Now, down there, that last paragraph. Now the lot of the tribe of Jim, children of Benjamin came up according to their families and the territory of their lot came out between the children of Judah and the children of Joseph. Their border on the north side of uh, began at the Jordan and the border went up the side of Jericho and ended the wilderness of Beth Aven. Um, Okay, and then it, it, it just tells what the, like from place to place where that line is going to be, and it, but it doesn't mean much to us, uh, so I'm not going to read all that stuff, going from place to place. And it's a, a third line down there. The Jordan was right here. Oh, we can't see it, right there. The Jordan was its border on the east side. This was the inheritance of the children of Benjamin, which was the youngest son of uh, Abraham, 
according to its boundaries all around, according to the families. The tribes of the tribe of uh, children of Benjamin, according to the families, were Jericho, Beth, Hoglah, Amek, Keziz, Beth, Arabah, Zemarim, Bethel, Avim, Parah, Ophrah, uh, and we'll see, we hear some of those names later on. And then it tells what their, uh, what their cities were. One of them was Gibeon, Ramah. I mean, and some of those cities still exist today. Um, 14 cities in their, in their villages. But what was, well, the Shiloh for one. But um, it, I, it's interesting how random some of the stuff was that happens in these chapters, but then how structured other things are, like how they divided, decided to divide it up, that they surveyed out and, and everybody got a fair number of cities and all the resources that came along with that. Um, and, and it's done very structured and, and fair kind of way. Then the, uh, I'm going to skip chapter 19 through, uh, skip chapter 19 and 20 and go to chapter 21. Chapter 21. In um, the cities of the Levites, we talk, and we mentioned this last week, that the, the tribe of Levi, that's going to be the priests, and they don't have an inheritance of the land. I mean, they will, but and it's set down by Moses in Numbers chapter 35 that there was going to be 48 cities, um, so uh, divided amongst the 12 tribes, roughly, there would be um, four, average out four, four priest cities for all the twelve, for each of the twelve tribes, so there'd be forty-eight in all. And um, it's interesting, and we'll see it in just a second, because God set this out beforehand, and where some of the concentration ends up. Well, we'll see that in just a second. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came near to Eleazar the priest, and to Joshua, the son of Nun, and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the children of Israel. So the representatives from each of the 12 tribes are there at Shiloh, and they're having like a conference. And the, the Levites come to them, and they spoke to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, saying, the Lord commanded through Moses to give us cities to dwell in with their common lands for our livestock. So the priests could still take care of themselves uh, in the lands where they were going to, in the lands of all the other tribes. So because that was what was God's, God's plan, you don't think about it, but he wanted priests to be in all the different places. Why? Well, the same reason we've got churches everywhere we live. We God was going to minister through those priests. Okay, Um so the children of Israel gave to the Levites from their inheritance at the commandment of the Lord these cities and their common lands. Now the lot came out for the families of the Kohathites and the children of Aaron, the priests who were of the Levites. We all 
Got that, right? They had 13 cities by lot from the tribe of Judah. From the tribe of Simeon and from the tribe of Benjamin. The rest of the children of Kohath had 10 cities by lot from the families of the tribe of Ephraim, from the tribe of Dan, and from the half-tribe of Manasseh. And the children of Gershon, another of the priestly families, had 13 cities by lot from the families of the tribe of Issachar, from the tribe of Asher, from the tribe of Naphtali, and from the half-tribe of Manasseh in Bashan. So that's up in the north northern part of the country. The children of Merari, according to their families, had 12 cities from the tribe of Reuben, from the tribe of Gad, and from the tribe of Zebulun. And the children of Israel gave these cities with their common lands by lot to the Levites, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. So we said all those, that's how they're situated. So they gave from the tribe of the children of Judah and from the tribe of the children of Simeon these cities which are designated by name which were for the children of Aaron, one of the families of the Kohathites, who were of the children of Levi. For the lot was theirs first. And we've had that as when all the land was, we've skipped some of that. But when all the land was divided, it goes from one to the next and the next. Um, but it was theirs first. And they gave them Kiriath Arba, which is in Hebron, in the mountains of Judah with their common land surrounding it. But the fields of the city and its villages they gave to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as his possession. And we've talked about that already um, several times in chapter 14 and chapter 15. Thus to the children of Aaron, the priest, they gave Hebron with its common land, a city of refuge for the slayer, Libnah, uh, I missed that. Oh, well, we'll come back to that. Uh, the city of, uh, which was the city of refuge, Hebron was the city of refuge, Libnah with its common land, Jatir with its common land, Eshtemoa with its common land, Holon with its common land, Debir with its common land, Ain with its common land, Jatah with its common land, and Beth Shemesh, uh, with this common land, nine cities from those two tribes and from the tribe of Benjamin, Gibeon with its common land, Geba with its common land, Anathoth with its common land, Almond with its common land, four cities, and all the cities of the children of Aaron, the priests, were 13 cities with their common lands. Um, this translation says pasture lands. Is that the same thing? Um, Common lands and pasture lands? I don't know. Common lands means that it was associated with the city. So it's obviously land inside the city you couldn't use for farming and for uh, pasturage and all that stuff. So this is the land that was in common with the city. So it was everything outside of the city. So pastures outside the city, sure. Uh, now I lost my place. Sorry. Okay. Well, because it's, I mean, it's a lot of it's, okay. And the families of the children of Kohath, the Levites, the rest of the children of Kohath, even they had cities of their lot. Okay. Uh, the ones I just read over, that there were uh, the children of Aaron, who were the Levites, that the 13 cities that they had from the tribe of Judah and Simeon and Benjamin, if you look on the map, those are all around 
the top of the uh, the top of the Dead Sea, down at the bottom of the Jordan River, where it feeds in the Dead Sea, just to the directly to the west of that is where Jerusalem is, and that's where all these guys are that they're talking about right here. So the lands of the priests around Jerusalem had one of the biggest concentrations. Almost a third of all the priests that are going to be anywhere in the land of Israel are all around that area right there, Jerusalem. Why is that important? This is hundreds of years before David. Because David is the one that sets up Jerusalem and that's going to be where his capital is. Because a lot of... that. They were in Shiloh, and then they were in Bethel for a while. But Jerusalem is what what uh, David set up it to what what was going to be the kingdom, which is the same Jerusalem that we have today. Um, and the, but the constant a third of all the priests was going to live in that area, and that was God's provision of a prophetic situation of these priests to be able to minister in the future in what was going to be the temple one day. Um, David brought the tabernacle after it was lost to the Philistines and it and it was in Shiloh, but it went back to Shiloh and stayed there for a long time. And David is the one that brought it from Shiloh to Jerusalem and that was going to be the center and has been the center for uh, how many years now, uh, over 3,000 years, it's been the center of, of what God is doing in the nation of Israel. But it was, I mean, he's set everything in order for all these priests to be concentrated and live all around that area. So when Jesus is born, um, John, John the Baptist's family and all that were part of the priesthood, they are all living there just outside of Jerusalem. Um, I mean, it's, God has set everything in order thousands, hundreds and hundreds of years before it's even ever going to happen. God's already put it in place. Um, okay. So, we're, I'm not going to go through all of these uh, all of these uh, different things because it does, they're very similar. It doesn't mean a whole lot to us. But to the children of Gershon, right there in the middle, of the families of Levites from the other half tribe of Manasseh, they gave Golan. Ever heard of Golan? The Golan Heights that they talk about. Uh, that's where some. That's where the, a lot of Palestinians live today. Uh, in Bashan and its common land, uh, this and that was a city of refuge for the slayer. Okay, I somehow I skipped over this. I need to talk to this about the cities of refuge. Where did I lose that? Oh, it's chapter 20. Okay, I'm going to talk we're going to talk about the cities of, of refuge. So in chapter 20 of the book of Joshua it says this. The Lord also spoke to Joshua saying, and this is a strange thing when I uh, this is more of that God, just like the order they had and how they surveyed out the land and divided it up in a way that was fair. God, God instructs Joshua on something about how justice is going to be administered. And for 
the for people to be protected in a legal way that doesn't compare to any other civilization until modern days. The cities of refuge. Here's what it says. Chapter 20. The Lord also spoke to Joshua saying, Speak to the children of Israel saying, Appoint for yourselves cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses. So they've already been instructed. Moses was instructed beforehand that the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally can flee to this city of refuge and they shall, uh, those cities shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. So if, if somebody kills my brother and I'm out to get him, just like the Hatfields and McCoys, I'm out to get him and I'm, cha- and I'm chasing him down, but he gets to this city of refuge. I, I can't go in there. When he flees to one of those cities and stands at the entrance of the gate of the city and declares his case in the hearing of the elders of that city, thus shall ta- they shall take him into the city as one of them and give him a place that they may dwell among them. So they'll be protected in these cities. Then if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unintentionally but did not hate him beforehand. So he, it's not just like anybody can go there and it, ali ali oxen free or whatever. Uh, you're, you have to prove your case first to the elders. So it has to be legitimate. Uh, and, but, okay, that's how they get in there. And verse six, and he shall dwell in that city until he stand until he stands before the congregation for judgment. So that's his trial. So in the meantime, he's going to be protected until it actually comes to trial. And at that point, when he stands before the congregation for judgment, until the death of the one who is high priest in those days. Um, but a priest didn't die for like 40 years. That's the deal. It, that was just, it, it was kind of arbitrary. Okay. That, that, okay, hold on. He goes to trial, yes. but he still has to stay there. Right. And because he killed him, it's a situation like manslaughter. And he still doesn't get off. He has to stay there and he's protected in that city until the high priest dies. And if it's 40 years, well, then bad luck for him. Right. But if he dies next week, which I don't know if they... That might be bad luck for him, too. Yeah. Well, if he dies... It's just protection either way. But he's free to go after the priest dies is the point. Yeah. That's the end of his sentence for manslaughter. So it's not like he didn't have any consequence at all for his actions, but, his, but it had to fit if it was something that happened accidentally. So if, if I accidentally run over Greg, that but I wasn't drunk or anything like that, then I, I get I may have to go to jail for a year or something for manslaughter because I didn't do it on purpose, but I've still got to have some kind of consequence, and that's what he had until the death of the... Um, until the death of the, the high priest. Then the slayer may return and come to his own city and his own house to the city from which he fled. Verse 7. So they appointed Kadesh in Galilee in the mountains of Naphtali, Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim, and Kiriath Arba, which is Hebron, which is where Caleb uh, uh, 
established himself in the mountains of Judah. And on the other side of the Jordan, by Jericho eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness on the plain from the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth in Gilead from the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan from the tribe of Manasseh. These were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel and for the stranger who dwelt among them. And whoever killed a person accidentally might flee there and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. So it, once you had your trial, you could still, if at trial they decided not, it wasn't an accident, you'd been talking about getting rid of that guy for months and then you finally accidentally killed him. No, I don't <laughs> think so. And so they, at the trial, the Avenger, I don't know if they gave him to the Avenger then or if they had an electric chair or something like that. But uh, whatever it was, he didn't get off for nothing. But it's... Or maybe they just didn't let him stay in the city of refuge. And then he just had to take And then, it, yeah, he could take, they say, we'll give you a head start and he <laughs> gets to take off running. Uh, but whatever it was, it's a system of justice that didn't exist anywhere else in the world. Nowhere else in the world did you have something where everybody is protected. And not only the children of Israel. I mean, in, in other places you had royalty that... Or, or if you were a certain class of people... Um, you were doctors and lawyers or things like that. And I'm thinking about in Asia, you know, like in China and some things like that. But that didn't even exist way back uh, in before Christ days. Um, this is a system of justice that... It wasn't a premeditated murder. Yes, yeah. And But everything else... Uh, we growing up talking about Egypt and the Hammurabi code that that's where a lot of the idea of justice for all came from it's right here in the bible and it's separate from Hammurabi this existed before that and it's a civilized way of handling things that didn't exist until very modern times um in the, in the West, it didn't happen. It wasn't a code like this. It wasn't codified justice for all until the 1400s in the West. Um, so, yeah, and if, whatever I could get away with. Um, it, I mean, it was like the old West days here in the early 1800s or the late 1700s that whoever was the biggest guy got to be the boss and there was no justice for anybody else so um i just that was chapter 20 uh and that's the cities of refuge now in the news sometimes lately you hear about refuge cities and stuff sanctuary cities where it's the sanctuary cities where people can go uh, if they're, they're illegal aliens or whatever, and they can go to that place, and they're exempt from judgment. This this wasn't exemption from justice. It was it was merely a timeout, and and it could be the consequence that you, that you got to stay there for four years or something like that until the priest dies. But uh, and only that's only after your trial and everything. But a tr the idea of a trial 
didn't exist before that. Um, and it, and it's the, they would have to go before the congregation. So it was, it was a, a, like a jury of their peers. I mean, that is, that's a relatively modern idea, but it, we've got it in the Bible way back in Joshua chapter 20. Um, okay, and I'm getting to the end of this. Uh, where did my, oh man, I almost messed up my knee. Um, okay. Colonelands, Colonelands, the founder, Merari, the rest of the Levites from the tribe of Zebulun. Uh, and there's all of the, uh, these are the cities where the priests are going to live. And so uh, God is going to, the, the Israelites' religious activities are going to revolve around these priests that are spread out all over the entire promised land. Uh, okay. Here's the end of it, right here. So the Lord gave to Israel, and this is a big one, and I shared this with Yvonne just a little bit ago. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. So all, the Joshua is talking about how they conquered the land, how they divided up the land, and how they received their inheritance. And right here in ver, uh, towards the end of it, um, they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. Not a man of all their enemies stood against them. I mean, they are living the life right now. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. And this is the last verse, and it's the most important, and I want us to think about it. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel, period. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. That was good for Israel. Back... 3,000-ish years ago, that was, tr that was good for Israel. It's good for us today, too. And that, that is still true for us even right now. And we need to all claim that. Yes, that's right. That, we, that not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken, that He promised. It all came to pass. We, and we need to live in the reality of that right now, that of all... God's promises they're yes and amen that and not a word of it just like it didn't then not a word failed not a word fails now either for us in any circumstance what where where our family's concerned where our finances are concerned where our health is concerned not a word fails it all comes to pass Woo! Same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. 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 Praise God. Now, I grew up with, by His stripes we are healed, that that only applied to our salvation, that we were, were here healed spiritually. That's not true, because there's lots of verses other places. Psalm 103, for one. Yes. He heal, heals our 
He forgives our sin, that's salvation, and heals our diseases, that's our body. It's not figurative. Huh? He forgives all our sin and he heals all our diseases. All our diseases. Mm-hmm. All is all. Right. And when it's in that same sentence like that, forgiving our sin is one thing. Healing our diseases is another thing. Both of those things are true. Um, and all of that happened uh, according to the word with Jesus' death on the cross. By his stripes, we are healed. God's yes and our amen. God's yes and our amen. amen. Because we got to work together. Right. And he sent forth his word and it did heal them. And his and his word is his name is Jesus. It's it's all over scripture. It's all over scripture. The reason why Jack Taylor wrote a book um uh a few years back about the operation of the gifts because he grew up in the same... In fact, he was the pastor of one of the churches that I went to uh, when I lived in Fort Worth. Um, he, which is where all the seminary professors went to church, when um, he said he, God showed him that what we had believed that the gifts passed away with the last apostle was... a a deduction, we deduce that based on what we were seeing. That they must have passed away because we don't see those kind of miracles anymore. But whose fault is that? Why do we not see the miracles anymore? Because we don't believe them. We don't believe for them. We don't act on those miracles. And he said, that's why it happened. When you start believing that, you start seeing it. Um, and, And I think that we're all... All of us here probably have testimonies about how we've seen supernatural things happen that the gifts and and the operation of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit did not pass away with the last apostle because we still see it today. Um, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Our hope has to be first in the substance is our faith. Right. It gives substance. I've heard people say, well, God spoke the world in existence out of nothing. No, he had faith. He said, let there be light, and there was light. So, no, he didn't take nothing and create. (laughs) Well. It looks that way. um, In Romans, it says he he did take it out uh, he, he created things that we see out of things we do not see. Right. Also, things out that are not as if they are. Right. Which be not as though they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's for us. Yes. And it didn't stop. Um, we still have the ability for uh, to walk on water. I mean, um, if the Lord tells us to do it, then we can do it. That's right. But we've got to go by His leading and His following. Right. And know that He's leading and directing us. Right. You got to practice that. Yes. You got to practice that. And sometimes you may be wrong. Sometimes when you think God tells you to do a certain thing, you follow through. You it may be wrong. But if you practice it, and the more you do it, the more you start to recognize. Okay. 
Now I know what that was. That was that bad pizza from last night. Um, but then you start. But when you start seeing things work out, and when you when you talk to a person and tell them something that God told you to tell them, and it and it works. I mean, it's it's dead on when you when you give somebody said I just felt like the Lord wanted me to give you this amount of money, and you, they go, Oh my gosh, that was my electric bill that I just prayed for, and it's exactly the right amount. Um, that's when you start being able to recognize what what's going on. Someone said, why, Lord, things are not happening like they used to. And the thing is, we're not doing what we used to do. Amen to that. So that, that meant we had to go to the basics right. continually and go back to step one. Right. You need to be a Philadelphia church age and a lady to see a church age. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can go back and look at the churches in Revelation and see what, what was going on there and what's going on here now. Um, I'm, uh, amen. Paul said, I didn't come in man's wisdom, but I came in demonstration mm -hmm. of the power of God. And so that's what we haven't seen is the demonstration in our services. And the idea of man's wisdom, we followed that after that for a long, long time. And we still do. We've, uh, we, followed it, we follow it in churches, traditions of men, and uh, we were talking about some of that in the Ministerial Alliance meeting on Monday, Tuesday morning? Tuesday morning. Um, uh, the traditions of men. We follow after those man's wisdom. Um, but we do it for all kinds of other things too. Um, I, I mean, we pick on, we pick on this a lot because a lot of time gets wasted on this and on just watching TV and or all those kind of things. So when we used to spend time reading our Bible or whatever, and we don't do that anymore uh, because we're busy with so many other things. But if you use this the right way, I mean, it, it's another tool. Um, I, I mean, I've seen people study the Bible and get off uh, even even doing that. So, um, but the practice, the practices that we engage ourselves in have an impact on on every bit of our spiritual life and what we see, uh, what works, what doesn't work, and whether or not the gifts still operate, that's all on us, all on us. That's the parable, the main parable that Jesus says. If you don't understand this parable, then you're not going to understand any of them. Right. It's the sowing of the seed. You right. know, and that third ground is, you know, we're deceitfulness of riches or pursuing other things. We're just pursuing so many other things. Pers that the, yes, that the seed of God, no matter what it is, even if it is good things, we just don't have time for the it's seed to germinate. Choked out choked by out. all that other junk. Yeah. Um, well, we're learning and we're growing. Amen. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name. And we're pruning and we're casting. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Um, God can work all things together for our good. Amen. He does. Ah. Good stuff, bad stuff, stuff that we get off our phones, stuff that we get off the TV, stuff, 
uh, our time is spent, God can work it all together for our good. If we will stop working so hard to make stuff bad for ourselves. Um, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this group. Thank you for their dedication. Thank you for the opportunity that we have in prayer. I pray in that we will, that some of these needs that we've shared tonight, that you'll burden our heart with them and that we'll intercede with them through this next week and, and, and see, uh, see your intervention in those, those things come to pass. Bless us as we go. Um, that everywhere our foot falls, that we would be Jesus and share the love of Jesus. For a world that needs it more now than ever. Keep us healthy to be able to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.